And if you'd have your Bibles open to Mark chapter 12, is where we'll be spending most of our time. Most of you realize we're in a series of five questions. Jesus comes into Jerusalem, and then he has these series of five questions that begin in chapter 11 and go through chapter 12. So it's a great exercise, especially for you dads, to just look back through these passages. They're fairly short, and to just review the questions and then help your children understand what it is that Jesus is trying to get at in these particular passages. And we're on the second of those questions questions here today, and that is paying taxes to Caesar. Mark chapter 12, verse 13. Imagine that it's the year 6 AD and you're in Judea. This is the area that surrounds Jerusalem. That area has now become officially a Roman province, meaning it is under the direct control of Rome. And as any ruler would have it, the ruler wants money. It takes money to run the empire, and so they get the money out of the people who live there by having taxes. And they're no more popular then as they might be today. However, there's a particular type of tax. It's not a tax on goods and services that you might imagine. There's something called a head tax that uh, the people are talking about in this particular passage. And the head tax is a tribute to Caesar. It's not a large amount of money. It's just that it's symbolic. When you give the head tax, when you pay the head tax, you're saying something about yourself and you're saying something about the government when you give the head tax. It would be like a Jewish person is paying this tax and they're saying, I'm inferior. And I so appreciate the superior divine wisdom of the Roman Empire and from Caesar himself, I'm so glad I'm underneath his rulership. Now imagine living in America and being overrun by, let's say, a communist country. And the communist country wants its money, and so you have to pay taxes on goods and services. But then they say, no, the other thing that we want is we want the head tax. We want a small, we want to see you give a small amount of money and say when you give that money, we are so glad you're here. We're inferior. We weren't able to govern ourselves until you came in to govern us. And now we recognize you have supreme divine wisdom. And so we're gladly giving you this tax as a symbol. Well, if that sort of gets underneath your skin, you're getting just a little taste of what it would have been like to be a Jewish person to pay the head tax. In 6 A.D., there was a man named Judas the Galilean, and he didn't like paying the head tax. You can read about him briefly in Acts chapter 5, verse 6, verse 7. He refuses to pay the head tax, and he's calling on all of his Jewish brethren to come in and say, no, we only have one supreme ruler, one divine ruler. That's God Almighty, and it's blasphemy. It's treason to pay the tax because what you're saying is, no, Caesar is God. He's the supreme ruler. And so Judas of Galilee, he comes in and tries to get a little band of believers together. And for a little while, they look like they have some momentum. And then what happens? The Roman army comes in and completely annihilates them. 
Twenty-five years later, the tax is still being paid, the tribute to Caesar. Just beneath this paper-thin service to Caesar is this boiling anger that's still there. And it boils up particularly when thousands or hundreds of thousands of Jewish people gather in one particular place, like in Jerusalem at the Passover. So the Romans would pull out a lot of extra Roman guards during the Passover because they knew as the Jewish people came in, they still had this boiling anger that they had to pay this head tax because they didn't want Caesar to be the ruler. That's the stage for Mark chapter 12, verse 13. That's the the backdrop. And enter in, not Judas, the Galilean, but Jesus of Galilee, who is leading a revolution. Do not be mistaken. Jesus has come to Jerusalem this particular time, and He too is leading a revolution. And the question that I want us to begin to scratch at the surface at towards the end of the sermon is, what kind of revolution is this person leading? But before we get there, I want to first look at the trap The question that the Herodians and the Pharisees asked Jesus, I want us to look at the trap. Then I want to look at Jesus' answer and a few implications for that answer. And then we'll just sort of tap on this idea of the revolution that Jesus is leading. Let's look at uh, verse 13 and 14. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and you don't care about anyone's opinion, for you're not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? The the Pharisees and the Herodians you might think of as natural political enemies. Whatever you would say that in America, most likely the the Republicans and the Democrats. These two people almost always are finding themselves on the opposite side of whatever issue. But here they're coming together because they're both threatened by the power and the authority that Christ is talking about. So the enemies have combined forces and they're trying to trap Jesus in what they're talking about. The Pharisees are more or less the conservative party. They're the party of the people. The people are on the side of the Pharisees, and the Pharisees think you should not pay the tax, just like Judas the Galilean did. And so if Jesus says, pay the tax, then he's losing all the popularity, he's losing all the popularity and power of the people. The Herodians are the accommodating party. All of their power comes from Rome. And so they want the tax to be paid so that they can continue their power. Now, if Jesus comes along and says, don't pay the tax, then the Roman army is going to be immediately notified and they're going to come and crush Jesus just like they did Judas. So you see the trap here? You see what they're asking? They're coming to Jesus and saying, pick a side. Which which political side are you on? We're picking sort of the hottest political topic of the day, and we just want you to pick a side. And really, we don't even care which side, because what we want to see happen is the other side to crush you so that we can keep the power. Which side are you on? 
is what they're asking. And it appears to be sort of a no-win situation. Either way Jesus goes, they get what they ultimately want, and that is his death. Now let's look at Jesus' answer, verse 15. But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius, a coin, and let me look at it. And they brought one, and he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus said, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God. And they marveled at him. Jesus looks at them, and he knows their hypocrisy. They know, he knows that they're putting them, putting them to a test. And he says, well, let, let, let me ask for a coin. So if you're a, a, a student here, maybe you're 10 or 11, you can just ask for your, a coin now from your mother or, or, or dad and see, look at a quarter or a dollar. I'd get the largest coin your, your, child, your parent would give you. And you look on, and what's on every coin? A picture and an inscription. And so Jesus is saying, let's look at this coin. I want, to, I want to first look at the picture, and then I want to look at the inscription. The image on the coin is Tiberius Caesar, the ruler of the Roman Empire. And so when you pick up the coin, just like you might see George Washington on a quarter, you would see Caesar Tiberius. He's the ruler. And the inscription says this, he's Caesar, meaning he's the king. It also calls him the Son of God. And then when you turn the coin over, it says he's the high priest. So I want want you to get this picture in your mind. Jesus Christ is standing there with a coin, and the coin says, this is the king, this is the Son of God, this is the high priest. You see the picture that's being set up here, this contrast? And Jesus says, now you give to things that are Caesar's, what are Caesar's, and you give to God the things that are God. Now let's notice just a few things about this. First of all, the Pharisees and the Herodians aren't really asking for a lecture in currency. They're not really caring about whose picture's on the coin. They don't really care about the inscription. They probably know it. That's not their point. They're trying to trap Jesus on a a political side. Remember what they really wanted Jesus to do? Take a side. Jesus very shrewdly refuses to be boxed in by their shallow political categories. They're not going to get Jesus to be a Herodian or a Pharisee. They're just not going to get Jesus to be a conservative or a liberal. They're not going to be able to box Jesus into being a Democrat or a Republican. Jesus isn't going to get on a side. Why? Jesus is a side. And you get on His side. But He's not coming into your shallow categories and saying, well, I'm going to get on your side on this issue. Jesus Christ is saying clearly, I'm not getting into your little political battles and I can just be some sort of celebrity football that gets tossed around from side to side. He's saying, I'm a side. And the question for you right now in this passage is, which side are you on? You don't come ask me which side I'm on. I'm a side. 
You see, the same thing happened in Joshua chapter 5. Remember Joshua, he's coming in. Joshua's fighting the battle. What's the first battle? You know this if you're in vacation Bible school. Joshua comes in and he fights the battle of Jericho. And he saw the walls come tumbling down. So he crosses over the Jordan. He's sort of scouting out Jericho. And he comes across what's called the commander of the Lord's army. Which a lot of people would think of this as an Old Testament vision of Jesus Christ. It's not just an angelic person. This is Christ being manifest in some Old Testament form. And he comes up and he sees this person. He's got a sword drawn. And you remember what Joshua asked him? Are you for us? Are you for our enemies? Which, which side are you on? And what does the commander of the Lord's army say? No. What kind of answer is that? It's not a, you can't answer no. Which side are you on? No. That's not a good answer. You see what he's saying? Joshua, I'm aside. And the question right now for you, Joshua, is which side you're on? The same thing is happening here. Jesus is trying to help them see He's not going to be this little celebrity person that goes around and picks off pieces of a political platform as if He can just be the endorsement for this candidate or that candidate or that platform or this platform or this party or that party. Jesus Christ is a side. And you are either on His side or you are not on His side. Those are the only two options. So that's the first thing that we want to notice. And obviously the application here is that we need to be careful about how we use Jesus' endorsement for our political viewpoints. I'm not saying that Jesus doesn't care about certain things, but it's very easy to sort of have Him on your side as if He would just endorse whatever you would endorse. That's using Jesus in an inappropriate way, and it's using Him in a way that He didn't allow Himself to be used. So we want to be careful about that. Jesus is a side, and you're either on His side or you're not on His side. The second thing that we notice here is that Jesus says, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God. So He really upsets both of these groups here, the Pharisees and the Herodians, by this. First of all, He says, if it's got his print on it, if it's got his face on it, give it back. Pay the tax. I don't care. I mean, whatever he's got his face on, you can give it back to him. That's fine. It's his. In the Roman economy, it really was from his bank account he printed the money. So it really was his. And Jesus is saying you can give it back. So obviously he's going to upset the Pharisees here. And then what does he say? Give to God... The things that are God's. So what is he saying about Caesar at this point? Give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and give to God the things that are God. What is he saying about Caesar? Caesar is not God. And I alone as God require your worship. Taxes, fine. You pay them. But worship, when it comes to worship, then I alone deserve that. 
I'm not going to go into it right now, but one of the best Old Testament examples of this is Daniel. You go back to Daniel and you watch how he lives in a very pagan culture, but then when it comes down to having to worship the pagan culture, then he says, no, I can't go that far. Very, very interesting. Very helpful in the political tension that we live in now. So we want to recognize that Jesus is upsetting both of these parties. Fine, pay the tax. I don't care. Secondly, do not give your worship to anyone else or anything else. Nothing else is God, only I alone. Finally, we look at and see this. Jesus holds up the coin and he's asking whose image is on this coin. The image is Caesar Tiberius. And he says, okay, the things that have his image on it, you give those things to him. What image is stamped on you? Whose image are you made in? Whether you believe it or not, you you uniquely are stamped in God's image. And he's saying, I want that back. You've got my image. And I'm going to require that back. That's mine. I was talking to some high school students this week, Grant and... Nathan and Zachary, and we're talking about this particular passage, and I, and I said to them, it's like you're a coin, and you're in circulation. God, God has put His image on you, and He's saying today, you're out in circulation. I've decided to put you in Wilmington, North Carolina in the year 2007. I decided on Friday morning to put you at Hoggard High School. You've got my image. I'm taking you out of my pocket and I'm putting you into circulation. And what I want to see happen is that when people look at you, I don't want them to see you. I want them to see me. I want them to see my image pressed in on you. You're in circulation. You're in circulation in your family. You're in circulation at UNCW. You're in circulation at your workplace. You're in circulation everywhere you go. You're in circulation and everybody's looking at you and they're asking, what is it that I see there? And that's my question for you. When people see you, what image is printed that they see? Do they see your image? Are you trying to live like someone else? Or do they see God's image? Jesus answers this question in a way that just befuddles the Pharisees and the Herodians. Everybody's upset, but nobody can say anything. And so at the end, they just sort of marvel. They're, they're not sure what to do. They, they thought he was going to pick a side and either side, but now they've, they've gotten confused. They don't even know what to think. And they just stand back and they marvel at him. And a couple of more questions, the, the people say, we just don't, we can't ask any more questions. We, we haven't seen anybody like this before. 
This leads me back to the last question I wanted to get to is if Jesus is coming to Jerusalem, he's Jesus of Galilee, not Judas the Galilean. He is leading a revolution. And if it's true that you and I are stamped in his image, then, then we need to know what kind of revolution he's leading. I mean, we need to see what the plan is so we can get in behind that plan. And I, I just want to maybe bring up some questions and scratch the surface of this idea. What kind of revolution is Jesus really leading? We get, I think, a little glimpse of it here in 15 and 16 when I ask you to think about this. Here's Jesus Christ standing and he's holding up a coin. Remember the contrast? On the coin, what does it say? King, Son of God, High Priest. What is Jesus saying about himself? King, Son of God, High priest. So he's standing on this stage and he says, it's this way or it's this way. The revolution is through coins, all the power. Notice, notice that Tiberius Caesar, he has all the coins. And what about Jesus? He doesn't even have one coin. Remember what he says? So would somebody find a coin for me? And somebody reaches into the pocket or turns around and grabs another coin. Jesus, this king, he doesn't even have one coin. He's the king without a coin. And so Jesus is leading a completely different kind of revolution than Tiberius Caesar or any other political world power would lead. In order to have power, you have to rise your, 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 your image has to be printed everywhere. Everyone has to know about you. And Jesus is saying, now, I, I'm, I'm leading a completely different kind of revolution. I think you see this here, but I want to point it out to, to you in another place. Jesus, remember what it says? They're coming to test him. Where else has Jesus been tested? In the wilderness. And you remember how he gets tested? First of all, would you turn the stones into bread? Would you find comfort for yourself? Secondly, would you stand up on the temple and throw yourself out? And then the angels will come and everyone will see it. It will be spectacular. And the third is if you would bow down and worship me, Satan says, then I'll give you all power. And Jesus says, I'm not going the way of comfort. I'm not going the way of recognition, and I'm not going the way of your power. He's rejecting all the world's values and saying, I'm doing something completely different. And so my question is, what is it that sparks the revolution that Jesus is leading? He's saying it's not through comfort. It's not through recognition. It's not through having all the coins. It's not through power. Where and when is it are people going to say about Jesus, there is the Son of God? 
Turn with me just a couple of pages to Mark chapter 15. Very helpful passage. Mark chapter 15, verse 33. Jesus is hanging on the cross. The sixth hour comes. This is verse 33, chapter 15. There was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, He's calling Elijah, and someone ran and filled a sponge with wine, and he put it on a reed and gave it to Jesus to drink. Finally, in verse 37, Jesus utters a loud cry, breathes his last. The curtain of the temple is torn in two. And then look at verse 39. And then the centurion. Who does the centurion work for? The Roman army. The centurion who probably has a coin in his pocket. And you know what the coin says? Tiberius is the king. Tiberius is the high priest. Tiberius is the Son of God. And when the centurion soldier looks at the cross, what does he say? Surely, this is the Son of God. People begin to recognize Jesus as the King when they look at the cross and see He has taken all of my discomfort on Himself. He's taken all of my need for recognition upon Himself. He's taken all my insatiable desire for power, for control. He's taken it upon Himself. And you know what He's given you? The incredible riches of the eternal kingdom. Jesus is, living, is leading a totally different kind of revolution. The revolution is not going to be won by your comfort. It's not going to be won by having a nice 401k. It's not going to be won by padding your retirement. It's not going to be won by getting a lot of money and leaving it to your kids. It doesn't have anything to do with coins. It doesn't have anything to do with power. It doesn't have anything to do with recognition. What you wear. Where you live. None of those things are the way Jesus is going about having a revolution. It's about denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following me. And where do we see that best exemplified? But in the table. Jesus comes to these little 12 men. He says, you want to, you want to be a part of the revolution? Yeah. I can't wait. Remember, Peter draws out a sword. He's ready. He says, that's not the way I'm going. It's when you deny yourself. You don't have to be right all the time. You don't have to be in power. You don't have to live in the right place. You don't have to worry about your 401k. Why? 
Those are all the ways and the systems of the world. And everybody's getting their identity and comfort from those things. And he's saying, I'm not giving you any of those things for that reason. I'm asking you to come and lay down your lives to give up your coins. To give up your power. To give up your control and follow me. And if you want to follow him, it's going to look like this. He says his followers will know his voice. They will come when he calls. And he's calling them to the cross. He says, do this in remembrance of me. It's going to cost you your blood. Every coin you have, it's going to cost you. But the riches of heaven are yours. It's going to cost you your life. Everything that you think gives you life, you've got to sacrifice those things. The only thing that gives you life is Jesus Christ. He's aside. Are you on His side? Are you in circulation? He stamped His image on you. He's going to ask for it back. If you're a believer, one of the things that you recognize when you come and take communion is that you're part of the revolution. Are you laying down all your coins? Laying down your power? You're laying down your need for recognition? Let's pray. Lord, there is a mystery in this meal that is beyond the capacity for humans to articulate. We're here 2,000 years later with the most simple of tools. Some fruit of the vine and some bread. You've led a revolution. But Lord, it's so easy for us to mistake what it means. We want to be in control. We want to have power. We want to have recognition. We want to have comfort. And we put all of those on the list as the way to really have real power. And you come and wrap a towel around yourself and say, this is the only way. So I pray for your saints here today. That as they come forward, they would loosen their grip. They would deny themselves. They would lay down their lives and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.